The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another edition of the National Football League Show with your boy Dan Cilium. I dropped National Football because it is the National Football Show. Because we covered the National Football League and we also cover college football. Welcome aboard here with us here on the Jacob Media Channel. We really appreciate everybody stepping in with us and making this bad puppy grow and grow and grow. And we are so proud of the direction that our show's going in. And you're here with us. So we always say this, you know, you become part of the Big Sales Army now. You know, every project that I've ever had, we've always had people that, you know, hey, listen, you don't always have to agree with my spins. Okay, I just care you watch, share it, like it, do whatever. Hey, sometimes don't like it, but all I ask you to do is always engage us because this is what this is. It's an open forum. You may not, like I said, you know, agree with my takes on what this quarterback, this player, this team, that coach, you may not. But this is one of the shows that you'll get where, get this, I won't be trying to jam a point down just to make the point happen, even if we all know it's wrong. That's old school stuff. We just don't go down that route. All right, let me get into my sandbox here, which is football. And I'm going to start it out, believe it or not, in the NBA. Okay? I saw something last night that is one of the biggest pet peeves that I have every single time I watch a high-profiled athlete. For whatever reason, show me signs of quitting or surrendering. I saw it last night. By the way, is it a big deal that LeBron James walked off the court and left his teammates behind with five minutes left in a game in which the Phoenix Suns won last night? Yeah. You're in this together. And I'm going to give you a story here in a minute, and it always reminds me of this. I watched LeBron last night just leave the rest of his teammates behind. Like, those guys aren't part of me. We're walking off, and it's like two separate teams. And I thought it was absolutely disgraceful. You're in it together, man. You're rowing in the same direction. You don't have the golden oar. That's why that guy there is who he is. Watch this. A spectacular talent who never fulfilled what he should have been. The greatest player in the history of the NBA. My opinion, I'll tell you flat out here. Ready? Would you really take LeBron over Jabbar? I think Jabbar's the greatest player with two minutes left in a ball game. 30-footer or a sky hook inside the paint. I don't know. You give me what the better percentage shot is. Got just as many championships as Michael Jordan and MVPs. I always thought the debate was between Jabbar and Jordan. I know two separate positions. I get it. 
But I watched LaFraud walk off the court last night. Let me give you a story. And again, I'm not comparing myself and my life to LeBron James at all. You know, one of the greatest moments in my life was playing next to Jerome Brown, the legendary Miami Hurricane and Philadelphia Eagle. And we had done so many great things together. We had won so many ball games. Hey, for the record, I have a tattoo on my arm that honors that team. By the way, this is this team didn't win the national championship. The team next year did. That ring over there on the left represents that. But you know what it reminded me of that game? That night, that January 2nd, 1987. It reminded me to finish what we started. Football games aren't 59 minutes, they're 60 minutes. Football games are a team effort, no matter how great you play in it. That was my greatest football game I ever played as a college or pro guy. Led the team in tackles, opened the game with a 15-yard sack. You can YouTube it, facts, all of it. I dominated that football game against Penn State. It's a great night till the end. We ended up getting beat in that game, 14 to 10. And it was considered the greatest upset in the history of national championship games. We were favored by 15 points to win that game. I'll never forget, we were at the end. Vinny threw his, Vinny Testaverde threw his last interception. And Jerome Brown and I, just before the interception, were sitting there on the bench. And Jerome looks over at me, he goes, you think he throws another pick? Vinny had already thrown five picks in the games. <laughs> and I, I was like, yeah, I do think he does. Sure enough, right to this kid named Giffenopoulos in the end zone. We were on the five-yard line going in with seconds left to win the national championship and arguably be called the greatest college football team of all time. Michael Irvin was on that team. Whole crap load of all pros. I think 60 guys got drafted off that team in the first three rounds. I'll never forget Coach Johnson coming to us with five seconds left after Vinny threw that pick. And he goes, we're going to take you guys out. You know what I said? F that. F that. We're all going out there, and we're going to finish this thing. We were all very upset. Coach went okay. There's a picture on the internet. Five seconds left as... Time was ticking off. I can hear the Penn State guys. One of the sports radio guys in Philadelphia, the afternoon guy, I think on WBEN, wrote a book on it, The Night in the Desert. And I'll never forget, I can hear the Penn State guy goes, we beat him. We beat the beast. Look at these guys. Walking off in shame. The walk of shame. I'll never forget that. Steve Wisniewski and I became friends after that, even though, and I sat there and I went, man, as I walked to the locker room, I said, wow, I can't believe we got beat. But you know what? I was really glad that we did, that we walked out there and we finished it. We had more turnovers in that game than we gave up first downs to Penn State and lost. We gave up six first downs in that game and we lost. 
We had seven turnovers. Game still haunts me. Jimmy Johnson says it to this day. It's the most gut-wrenching loss of his entire coaching career was that night in Tempe, Arizona. I watched LeBron James walk off the court, and I was disgusted. And I just said, it doesn't matter probably to some out there. Probably just, you know, doesn't really. But, man, when you're in something together in a team sport, you do everything as a team. You do everything as a unit. And every time I watch that guy do that, and he's done that numerous times, you know, flying with his posse, as he called it, all over the place. Or I think Pat Riley actually used that word. You know, I mean, leaving his other Cavalier guys behind. Riley didn't want to put up with any of that stuff in Miami. That's why he's got a horrible relationship with Pat Riley. I thought about that. You imagine Tom Brady giving up a Super Bowl. He knows he can't win. He just walks off and says, that's it. I'm not playing. That's the greatest thing about football. You'd never see a high-profiled guy or a big-time NFL guy just walk off the field and surrender. You don't surrender in that game, man. That's a game of Lions. NBA guys, that's the culture. James Harden, that fat ass ate his way out of Houston this year, didn't he? Now he's in Brooklyn. Look what I did. I took my bat and ball, and now I'm in Brooklyn, and maybe I can win an NBA championship. I think that stuff is soft, man. I'm sorry. That's what separates football from every other sport out there. Is that right there? I hated watching that last night. I was glad the Suns won. I was so glad. Every time that guy hits the floor. And by the way, let me put this out there about LeBron. He's been a great ambassador for, you know, sports. He's never been arrested. He's never been in trouble. I'm talking about just being a sports fan here. Okay? Just being a sports fan. That made me sick to my stomach last night. 539 left in the game. He just walks off. Hell, the game before he was even looking like he was surrendering and loafing up and down the court. LeBron can be beat mentally. You know what? And here's why also he struggles with not fulfilling his prophecy. You know, the chosen one? Name me the greatest coach that he's ever had around him. Ty Lu. Mike Brown. Who? Name me one coach. Okay. Eric Spolstrom. Eric Spolstrom wasn't the guy really commanding the heat when they had those three guys, Chris Bosh, D. Wade, and LeBron in Miami. Spolster was still getting his feet wet as a head basketball coach in the NBA. And by the way, he's turned out to be a hell of a coach. No, no shocker because of Pat Riley. But Riley wasn't putting up with any of that. Like I said, that's why that relationship deteriorated in the end. Okay? That's why it deteriorated. So look at the guys that he's... Now let me name you some of the greatest athletes of all time. Watch this. Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson. Kobe and Shaq, Phil Jackson. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll. Terry Bradshaw, Chuck Knoll, Roger Staubach, Tom Landry, Joe Montana, 
Bill Walsh. I could go on and on and on and on in every sport. Derek Jeter, Joe Torrey. Every single high-profiled guy has to have a jockey. You have to have a jockey to lead you to the promised land. That's why LeBron's four and six in finals. Magic Johnson had Pat Riley. There's a reason you have that dude. You know why? You know why that relationship worked so well in New England for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? I'm not so sure that they really dug one another, but you know what I'm really sure of? That they respected one another. And when Bill jumped his ass and got into his ass, it was from a place of wanting to have success. Not from a place, you see a lot of people today, they get their panties in a bind. When they they have someone get hard on them and coach them hard, come on, man, you got to pick it up and do better. Man, what do you mean? You really, guys, athletes today can't take that stuff. They can't take the guy being with the tough love. I'll give you, a, I'll give you another story here and why this is important. I saw that again last night with LeBron. I kept thinking of so many instances and stories that I remembered. I'm on the practice field with Coach Jimmy Johnson, and he's writing me a new one. Dude, you got to do it this way. You got to do it this way. You can't have your head backside like this. Finally, you know what I said to him? Damn, Coach. Why are you always on my ass? Step back a little bit. You know what he said to me? Worry when I'm not. Worry when I'm not. I sat there and I didn't say another word. I was stunned. I sat back and I really thought about that for a minute. He's right. This guy's not trying to be detrimental to me. This guy's not trying to run me off the team. This guy's just trying to make me an All-American, which he did. This guy's just trying to make me the best player so that potentially maybe one day I can reach my ultimate dream to be an NFL guy, which I became. Jimmy used to have a saying all the time. He used to say this. If you tell a player what he is, he'll remain. If you tell a player and keep telling that player what he can be, he'll become. Coach Johnson had a major in psychology at Arkansas. And he knew how to connect with the Michael Irvins, the Emmett Smiths, the Dan Cilios. He could coach anyone. That's what made him, in my opinion, one of the greatest coaches of all time because it, it didn't matter what your personality was. As long as it fit into what his structure was of a team, he was going to make that happen. You watch LeBron, he's so talented. He's so talented, so gifted, but he's weak. You know, the argument for calling him the GOAT is over. It was over two years ago. When I watch Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant play, hey, here's something else. Watching Kobe and Jordan and Tom Brady or Tiger, 
Isn't there something different about those guys that I mentioned? Think about it for a minute. Brady, Tiger, Jordan. Do you know what they all are? They're a-holes. And you know why? Because they're never satisfied with anything in their life that they're presently doing. They become miserable. And the only thing to make them happy is winning. LeBron likes his brand, which is fine. Athletes today, I don't begrudge anybody. He's got a net worth of $900 million, LeBron. Fantastic. Well done. Maverick Carter and him, well done. Tom Brady's not thinking about net wealth. He's thinking about number eight. Why do you think he chose Bruce Arians? He needed a jockey. It was, get this, remember it came down? Last year, it came down between the Chargers and the Bucks. Anthony Lynn versus Bruce Arians. Both teams are awfully talented. You got a lot of talent in Los Angeles with the Chargers. That's a very talented football team. And if they can land Julio Jones with that kid, Justin Herbert, they can play some football, man. And they're going to shake some people up in the AFC West out there. That kid can play, and that football team's loaded. Okay? It's loaded, as, as is the Bucks. But Brady chose the right jockey. It's about picking the right jockey to help you get to where you need to get to. Because eventually, get this, you have to have somebody say no to you. Okay? No, that's not the way we do it. That's not cutting it. This is kind of like, you know, that's what makes Mike Tomlin a great coach. That's what makes all these superstar coaches. Because you know what? Sean Payton's not afraid to tell or was afraid to tell Drew Brees. Drew, we need to do it this way, dude. You form a trust pattern with your coach. My coach lined me up when I was in Miami. Hey, man, I believed everything he said to me. Even if I questioned it men mentally, I still believed him because he's shown me the yellow brick road before. I got to Tampa Bay and Ray Perkins was my head coach. Hey, and by the way, God rest his soul. I love Ray. We became better friends after the whole fiasco in Tampa. We became way better friends. But I got to Tampa. I didn't believe anything they were doing there. I was like, where did these guys ever win? Now, is that a little bit my fault? Absolutely. Okay. I'm the player, not the coach. But this happens in every locker room. Do you actually think that the Lakers believe that they're going to win game six? <laughs> okay. Without AD. Without Mr. Street Clothes, as Barkley calls him. That ain't happening. And LeBron's not the leader to carry him. He can't carry a team anymore. Get this. He's 36 years of age. And everybody today is talking like he's 46 or he's 44 like the guy in Tampa. How many people think the guy in Tampa can carry a team across the finish line? I said this to people last year in that NFC championship game when the um, Packers decided not to go for it on fourth down and there was like two minutes left in the ball game. I went just like this. I said, wait a minute here. You really think that the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is getting the ball back with that dude over there who's won six Super Bowls 
been in numerous conference championship games. You think you're really getting the football back? That guy doesn't know how to carry a team for two minutes to a championship? You're nuts. I said, this game's over. There was no way Tom Brady was giving that ball back to Green Bay, and it didn't happen. They were never going to win that ball game. No way. One game, 60 minutes against Patrick Mahomes. I went like this. Patrick Mahomes will never – watch this. Patrick Mahomes could be in the next four straight Super Bowls, okay? But you lost to that dude. That's the greatest game you'll ever play in your life with a chance to beat the GOAT. Now, there could be maybe down the line if Brady plays another year or maybe even this year. Chiefs and Bucks again, could it happen? Sure. But if you're Patrick Mahomes, you had a shot at the GOAT. You let it slip through your fingers. You could play against Aaron Rodgers or any of the great quarterbacks, Russell Wilson. It ain't him. You could win those games, but you didn't beat him. That's what Eli has. Eli beat that guy twice. Why do you think it bugs Brady to this day? What did Brady say a couple months ago? He'd give one of his Super Bowl championships up. Okay? Or no, was it two of his Super Bowl championships up for one of those wins against Eli? You don't remember the wins. You remember the losses. I used to tell people all the time about Mariano Rivera, the Yankee closer. You think people look at it, Mariano Rivera's successes, and they gauge him on his successes? They, they, they only remember the failures, like the Diamondbacks or in that series against the Red Sox when they came down three love to beat the Yankees in the ALCS. You don't, you, there's too many successes. You look at Mariano Rivera and you go, that dude there had very few failures, but we remember every one of them because of all the fabulous successes. Same thing with Brady. Same thing with Brady. And for the record, I always tell people this, especially Yankee fans, you can replace Derek Jeter. You ain't replacing Mariano Rivera, and they haven't since. There's just something special about them dudes, man. Gifted, talented, driven, miserable, but champions. All right. We are going to catch up with one of our dearest friends, and he is so plugged in. One of the legendary people who have covered the National Football League for over 40 years. Peter King from the Monday Morning Quarterback will join us. You keep it here, right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic. 
Tropical Heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Peter King. The legend himself from Monday Morning Quarterback will join us and we'll get his thoughts on all the news going on in the NFL. Also, in Hour 2, our friend Tony Casillas, College Football Hall of Famer, will get his spin on whether or not the Dallas Cowboys have addressed the other side of the football. I know they did on offense by getting Dak Prescott his money. God willing, I mean, he finally got his money. But did that help the team get better? Will the Cowboys be a better football team in 2021 than they were out of the gate where they were struggling and they had to have a miraculous comeback against the Atlanta Falcons even to have that one and four record before Dak got hurt? I mean, are they better? We'll talk to him. We'll even ask uh, our friend Peter King that question too, by the way. You know, real quick, before Peter joins us here, see Big Ben, you talk about a drama king. Man, yeah, I went to the pack. I went to the uh, Steelers right away, and I went to Kevin Colbert, the general manager. And it was my idea that I was going to take a pay cut. Ben, you were not going to make forty-one million dollars in Pittsburgh. You can tell everybody all you want, but you were not going to make forty-one million dollars in Pittsburgh. You tell people that you know it was your idea. Yeah, okay. Well, you saw the writing on the wall, too. All right. 
We'll hit on that with Peter King. He joins us now, our friend from Monday Morning Quarterback. And, Peter, let me start it there with you. I mean, I love Ben. You know, he's one of the great drama kings of all time. <laughs> I mean, you know, he comes out the other day and he goes, you know, it was my idea to take a pay cut. We had Kevin Colbert on with us the other day, and I'm like, wait a minute here. There's no way that dude's back in a Steeler uniform at $41 million. You know, I, I get the position. I get him, but he was not coming back to Pittsburgh if he didn't restructure that contract, whether he did it or not, right? That's a really good question, Dan. Um, you know, I think the Steelers really wanted him back. If he had held his ground and said, I'm not doing a thing to my contract, they probably would have said, see you later. Probably. But I can't say that with certainty because they realize right now that Mason Rudolph is not prepared. And, and clearly, uh, you know, their depth chart, I don't think, has their quarterback of the future on it right now. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, ben, ben, is, uh, ben is one of those guys who sometimes you listen to what he says and you sort of, you know, you put your head like a dog, you know, you, you, you sort of tilt your head. You know? you know, but to your point, Peter, you, you know, you remind me, though, of what makes that franchise what it is because they've only had three coaches since 1969, that they invest in stability. So maybe like you said, I mean, they're not the shiny lure guy. They don't go after, and this is what the Packers try to do. They, they try to act like them. You don't see Pittsburgh going after big-time free agents. They love elevating from within. They love investing in their own guys. So maybe to your point, Peter, maybe they would have buckled a little bit and said, you know what, we want to bring back stability because that's their nature. Look, I think you're seeing more and more teams right now basically take contracted players, players who are under contract, and surviving for today by adding phony years to the ends of their deal, which they know they're never going to play, but it allows them to then say, okay, you have this cap number. Well, let's spread it over two or three additional years. And in 2025, we can take, uh, you know, 4 million bucks from this contract, but it would really help us to not have to take the whole, uh, to swallow the whole thing in, in 2021. So I think they probably would have made it work, but, but again, I don't know. I, I think at the end of last year, you know, and I said this, I, I wrote this, I've been writing it a lot through the off season that, you know, Ben Roethlisberger ended the year basically with a gigantic thud and, you know, it's all well and good for everyone to say, well, what are we going to do without Roethlisberger? Well, look, he's not playing until he's 94. So eventually you're going to have to find a new quarterback. If they had to do it this year, they would have been a competitive team. Won a few, lost a few, either with Haskins or, or Mason Rudolph. But, I mean, I do think if they have a great year this year, I could see Roethlisberger going ahead and playing playing some more, but if they're eight and nine or or you know right around five hundred, I think they're going to rip off the band aid and start anew in twenty twenty two. Peter, I'm going to go up to Green Bay now, and I'm I'm going to throw this out there and tell me if you subscribe to this or you don't. Here, I think the reason that Green Bay is in the position that they're in 
is because they don't have the right guy at the helm. Every single time that, and, and by the way, he's 26 and six people would go, damn, what are you talking about? You're looking at Aaron Rodgers when it comes to his career. These are maybe two of the best combined years he's had. But I think as an organization, when they had Lombardi there, when they had Holmgren there, hell, even sometimes when they had Mike McCarthy there, you know, you have a guy in Mark Murphy and you have a board of directors. That head coach in that organization is the, really the judge, juror, and everything when it comes to Packers. When you have an inexperienced guy as an administrator like a, like a Matt LaFleur here and you have him there, He's not going to fight Mark Murphy. Look, look at what Seattle did, uh, Peter. That you know, Russell Wilson's kicking tires. I don't like to get hit. They address the O line. They get DK Metcalf last year. They draft a guy. Now they're in the sweepstakes for Julio Jones. What do the Packers do? Last year they trade up to get Jordan Love, and this year they signed Blake Bortles. That's their big moves. I mean, it's just communicating in that building right now. Am I wrong? Well. I happen to think that Lafleur is the right guy. Um, obviously, look, if you bring in a new coach to coach Aaron Rodgers at whatever it was, 35 or 36, knowing that Aaron Rodgers owns the building and all that stuff, you can't come in like a bull in a china shop. You just can't. And, I mean, it would have been hard for a Bill Parcells kind of personality to come into that building. Now, maybe they get a guy with a with a stronger will. I don't know. I'm not inside there. I don't I don't really know what's going on inside the building. But I will just say this. I'm a big guy on results. And you know, the Green Bay Packers, their last two years, have gone 13 and 3, 14 and 4, including their playoffs each year. So basically, they've gone 28 and six, and they had not won 14 games in a year since 2011. And so, to me, I think it's hard to say. I, I would disagree with you. I think it's hard to say they didn't pick the right guy because they've gotten great results. Now, look, I think so much of the problem with Rodgers goes back to the fact that, you know, Ron Wolf set one way of running this team. And it, it when, when he left and, you know, the two general managers, pure general managers since he left, Ted Thompson, Brian Gutekunst, I mean, basically they're not going to change the Ron Wolf way, which is general managers pick the players, coaches coach the players, players play, don't try crossing the lines. Now, I think if I'm the Packers, if I'm Mark Murphy, and I bet this has already happened. I don't know that it has, but I bet it has. I bet Mark Murphy has basically said to, you know, we have to change. We, you know, we've, whether we like it or not, you know, we've got to change the way we do business and try to involve some or at least one of our star players, not necessarily involve him in the decision-making process, but to tell him, look, here's what we're thinking. Let me have your input. Not that he would make the decision, but it's just like Tom Brady last year in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady advised them strongly when they had receivers or injuries at the receiver position 
we should go get Antonio Brown. This guy has changed. I can handle it. And they went out and did it. Do you believe that the Packers have over or underachieved in the last 31 years with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in the building? Uh, well, they've won two Super Bowls in that time. Uh, and so I think Favre got there in – did he get there in 91 or 92? I forget. I think 92. Yeah, he lost, he lost to the Broncos. Um, they've been to three. Right. Um, uh, look, everybody always says, if you have a franchise quarterback on your team and he's one of the great players of his time, if you don't win multiple Super Bowls, you have not taken advantage of that player. And so look, I'd say the only, the only way that I would say that they've underachieved is that in that Super Bowl against Denver, they really played lousy. And I think Favre did not play well that day uh, against Denver. And so I look at that and I can pick out some games that I think they should have won. And I can go back and look at some of the years that, you know, like the, 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 the playoff game in Seattle, uh, the title game that the, uh, that the Packers lost to the Seahawks after blowing the, the, the big lead. Uh, they they messed up that onside kick, but I'd have to go over every team in that period of time and the quarterback and or quarterbacks they had to say this team underachieved. It seems like with Favre and Rodgers over a 30-year period, they should have won more than two, um, but that's the weirdness of football, and it's almost it's almost the egalitarianism of football too, that even the best players and very often the best players don't always win. Peter, let me let me throw this at you too here. Do you believe that the move in the offseason is in San Francisco in the fact that you have John Lynch, the general manager of the Niners, move up to three, they draft their future, they keep their present. With Garoppolo. Now, look, I get the fact that he's missed 53% of his games. There's no way you can put a Super Bowl roster together and think you're going to go out there and win and go like this. Well, I'm going to flip a coin and pray that the guy's healthy. Praying for something to happen in the NFL usually gets you a losing record. But they were able to do this. Say Garoppolo, he, we flipped a coin. He does take the team back to the NFC title game. You've elevated his value if you want to move off of him and move back into Trey Lance. The only thing that this could go sideways on is if he gets hurt in week three, then you implode his his market value kind of the same way that the Chargers did back in the day with Breeze. Do, do, do you see that this move here I was? I think the, the, last thing, the last thing they're worried about is market value of Garoppolo okay. now. Once they didn't get an offer of a one for him uh, before the draft, they were not, they're not trading him. Um, now, I shouldn't say they're not trading him. I didn't think that. Sam Bradford would be traded in Carson Wentz's year and and they just hand the job to Carson Wentz, but that did happen because of the injury in Minnesota. But I think the way I would look at this is in two of the last three years, the quarterback has gotten hurt for the uh for the 49ers, and they have won four and six games. In the year that the quarterback was not hurt, they won 13 games and went to the Super Bowl. 
So I think this is all about having a having a depth chart at quarterback with two guys who are you know are at least on the surface are very much like Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, which you would think that if one guy gets hurt, the other guy still has a good chance of taking him deep into the playoffs. That is why the 49ers put this probably unrealistic price tag on Garoppolo of a one. And when they didn't get the one, in my opinion, if I were John Lynch, I'd have been relieved because how dumb would it have been to go into a season with, uh, you know, with your quarterbacks being Trey Lance and Josh Rosen or whoever they would have, <laughs> whoever they'll have for a backup. It's the exact same problem, maybe worse than having Jimmy Garoppolo and Bethard and Mullins, you know? So I think they did the right thing in not trading them. And I think they're lucky that no team offered them a one for Garoppolo. In Tampa now, do you have a different opinion on Bruce Arians as a head coach, as a Hall of Fame candidate? Oh, I don't know. I <laughs> That's the first time I've ever thought of it. Um, He's got three rings, too, as coordinators in yeah, Pittsburgh. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're <laughs> – Maybe I'm just asking you, Peter, in my, you change in my your opinion, opinion. In my opinion, my opinion is that um, – you know, there have been quite a few very good candidates, like, for instance, Don Coriel, who was, you know, who can't who can't get in the Hall of Fame because he didn't win a Super Bowl, uh, even though he contributed so mightily to some great offenses and is really responsible in a lot of ways for many of the offensive wrinkles that you see in football today. And he can't get in the Hall of Fame. It's a little bit hard for me to wrap my my head around putting a guy in the Hall of Fame when he hasn't been a head coach for very long. And he was a very good assistant coach. But, you know, that is opening up so many various other, uh, you know, other candidates who were great assistant coaches and maybe didn't have a great head coaching career, but had a good one. He's had a very, very unique career because he's the only guy to ever win coach of the year as an interim coach. He did such a fabulous job in Indianapolis, did a really good job in, in, uh, uh, you know, in Arizona and now is doing a good job in Tampa. One of the things I feel strongly about with the hall of fame is Dan, I mean, you know, a guy needs to have his career. And, you know, if, if Bruce Arians never coached another football game today, I would really want to think about his coaching career for the Hall of Fame. At first blush, I would say probably not. But that's why it's so good to have that period of time, you know, the five-year uh, span, you know, for players, which I think is great that you were able then to sit back and think and, uh, and actually, you know, consider it without having a knee jerk reaction. Two last questions for you, Peter Carson Wentz. We had Frank Reich on with us, um, a couple weeks ago and he is just thrilled to death. And, uh, we also talked to Boomer Esiason too. And Frank, I think is one of the best play callers. And I also think he's one of the best construction guys 
on putting a game plan together. I just love the fact that he's teamed up with Chris Ballard. There seems to be a great dynamic duo in Indy. What says you on a success this year for Wentz? Does he turn it around? This is his best shot. I mean, any quarterback has died and gone to heaven when you play for Frank Reich and you got the offensive line that the Colts have and you got the running game that the Colts have. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the best receiving core, but it's it's good enough. And and look, Frank Reich and he once made beautiful music together. You know, he was on his way to a strong MVP candidate season in 2017 when disaster struck that day in the Coliseum and he shredded his knee. But um, any quarterback who gets a chance to play and to win with Frank Reich, I think is very fortunate. I think he's got a good chance. Uh, Dan, I, I didn't love the way it ended in Philadelphia because, you know, I heard from quite a few people that, He was he was very affected by the drafting of Jalen Hurts, which I mean, I think is just not a good way to react. I mean, what did Tom Brady do when the Patriots drafted a second round quarterback in his four (laughs) in the four years that Jimmy Garoppolo was there? He won two Super Bowls and he was an MVP. And so I I just I'm not a big fan of getting mad at the team because they drafted to some they drafted somebody. Well, you've been hurt. Your your season has ended prematurely two of the previous four years. We don't have Nick Foles as the crutch anymore. We need a good backup quarterback, and we're going to draft one. And everybody said, well, a backup quarterback's not that valuable. Well, when you lose your starter, he becomes the most valuable player on the team. So I have always said, in my opinion, the backup quarterback on a team is one of the 10 most valuable players. And I thought Howie Roseman did the right thing in drafting one. And the fact that apparently it affected uh, Carson Wentz, I just don't think says great things about him. We'll see. I think he's really good. But, uh, you know, he's got to go out there and do it after an awful year last year. Final question for you here. We had Chris Sims on with us yesterday. And Chris Sims said this about uh, Jalen Hurts. He's not a top 40 quarterback. Uh, do you agree too? Do you think what you've seen enough of him right now that he could end up being the face of that franchise, the Philadelphia Eagles, or do you think the quarterback's still not there under center yet? Uh, the future for the Eagles on Labor Day weekend, 2016. What would people have said about Dak Prescott? Right. They would not have said, "Oh yeah, he's a top 40 quarterback." I mean, they would have said, oh, my God, the Cowboys are in major trouble. And then Dak Prescott went out and played great, and he has continued to play very well for Dallas. That's why today is Jalen Hurts. What what number quarterback is he in the NFL? I definitely put him in my top 40. But he's not, he probably wouldn't be any higher than around 30. But now he gets to do something about that. Now he gets to go out and he has a season in which to prove himself. Unless uh, the Eagles before this season do something that I don't expect, you know, like try to make a trade for Deshaun Watson or or, or whatever. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. Um, I, I'm in favor. I'm always in favor 
of basically three of my favorite words are, I don't know. <laughs> because how can anybody know? You don't. We, saw, we saw one terrific game he played, right, at, yeah. uh, at Arizona. And, you know, so let's see, let's see how he plays. I like the fact that he's getting a shot. And if he's not really good, the Eagles most likely have three ones next year to then rebuild their their quarterback stockpile again. So I think the Eagles have set themselves up well. I'm going to leave you with this because I know you started your career. I got to show you this. I know you started your career covering the Giants. And this right here may be bringing back some memories. This is my uncle's ring of honor. Oh, yeah. Jersey. Andy Robustelli. And there's the pen up there when he went into the pro when he went into the New York Giants Ring of Honor. Yeah. I thought you would like that. That's really I don't cool. know how I don't know how he didn't make the top 100 according to the NFL network players of all time. He's one of the very first um guys to win the MVP award as a defenseman. But that's a what do you think of that there, Peter? That's really cool. I like that. <laughs> I really, really like that. I'm glad you got that in your little room there. It looks cool. Oh, and, and, and plus, my uh, the other one here is signed by somebody that I know that you love too. And this wow. right here is Leroy Salmon gave this to me. Wow. And he signed it to me. All best wishes. And you talk about two mentors of mine right here. Right. Robustelli and uh, Leroy Salmon. Pretty cool, huh? Fantastic to see. Really good of you to have those guys up. Absolutely. Hey, Peter, it is always great when you find time for me. You do this all the time. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, no problem, Dan. Good luck to you. Thank you very much to legendary Peter King from Monday Morning Quarterback. We so appreciate it. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. 
Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Really cool to catch up with my friend Peter King. We'll have him on regularly during the NFL season and leading up to training camp. He always finds time for us for Monday Morning Quarterback. He's just so plugged in everywhere. And he likes what they're doing in Green Bay. He likes how they operate. But he also knows that the Packers have to get out of the MySpace world and that they have to start – you know, I, I think he hit on it, what the problem is in Green Bay. You know, you, you know that old notion where, you know, you hear people say, you're not supposed to treat anybody on your football team any different than the next guy. That stuff doesn't work any longer, guys. Grabbing players by their face mask and rattling their cages doesn't work. Screaming at players is not the way to get it done today. You have too many players doing this now in college and pro. Why am I doing this? Why are we practicing this? You got a lot of players now asking even questions about, you know, unrest in the community, you know, police brutality, COVID-19. These kids today are more worldly because of social media. And there's more questions asked to the head coaches. It's a different kid. I'm not saying he's the worst kid. He's a more informed kid. Then those guys go on to the NFL. You're not going to tell a guy who's making millions of dollars any longer, and sometimes more than the head coach does. You're not, you're not going to tell those guys. If they think something's wrong, they're going to demand a trade now. They're going to want out. And Green Bay still thinks, I'm the coach. I'm the organization, you're the player, you stay on your side of the aisle. Look, I, I, I happen to believe you're not going to look at a player and get his opinion on who you should draft. But I think giving a guy a heads up, especially if you're drafting somebody at that respected position, or maybe the reason why that player doesn't have to question the direction that you're taking the team in. Say you want a wide receiver and you're a star quarterback on that team. And all of a sudden, the head coach comes to you and say, hey, listen, as a coaching staff and as an organization, we're going to go on the defensive side because we gave up way too many top 25 plays and plus 25 plays. We need to 
it, we, we need to address that. And so we're going to address that in the draft. And the player may be pissed, but you know what the player's going to at least appreciate? The player's going to at least appreciate the fact that you kept him in the loop. Not, not asking him who they should draft. That's not what we're doing here. But what you are doing is you are at least keeping your star player informed. Like moving forward, the Dallas Cowboys, if they're smart, and Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are exceptionally brilliant people, okay? They really are. I think their problem has always been is, and, and you know what really sucks when I say this? Because I sound like a management honk. They fall in love with the guys that they draft. And you got to kind of fall in like with the guys you draft in the NFL, especially when there's big money. Look, when you're in college football, you can fall in love with your guys because you've got 85 guys on scholarship at your program. You can love the kid, okay? He's going to be there for four years or whatever. But when you're in the NFL and you're paying a guy $25 million and there could be a tough decision when it comes to salary cap or whatever that you have to move on from somebody, you got to fall in like with the dude. You just can't be like, man, this guy's my guy, and I really just love this guy. He's my – and you, you fall in all kinds of problems. But if I'm, if I'm Stephen Jones and I'm Jerry, you know, I kind of keep Dak now in the loop. Dak's making $42 million a year. He's the highest-paid guy in the National Football League. You're going to go like this to him. Hey, man, we're going to load up on defense. We got to get people to stop people. We were a sieve last year. So if you don't see us going out, maybe we'll go free agency and we'll try to see if we can do something and get everybody under the cap. But they're already in cap hell. Now, with the new collective bargaining agreement, they're going to be able to defer a lot of money out. Okay, so that's not really going to be that big of a priority when it comes to the uh, Cowboys having to figure out when it comes to you know managing their salary cap because you can defer that money, I believe, after this year, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's either this year or after this year. So, dude, five years ago, if you asked me that question, I would have went like this. Keep the player out of it, okay? I don't want to be responsible when you draft a, a – when I don't want to be responsible when you draft a stiff and you ask me. Well, we asked the quarter. I don't want to – that's not my deal. I'm here to play quarterback, okay? I'm not here to play any other position but defensive tackle, quarterback, wide receiver, whatever. But keeping guys in the loop now, especially guys that sit at your board table, you know, we had Kurt Warner on with us last Friday. And Kurt was right. Look, sit around and start talking about draft choices in the third, fourth, and fifth round. Man, you got to really be detailed into all the meetings when it comes to the personnel people. And nobody's got time for that, especially when you're preparing for an upcoming NFL season. Not going to sit around and go, yeah, how about the guy from Fund du Lac, Wisconsin? Who? Right? You're just not going to do that. Oh, yeah. You know that guy from like Kellen Keller University? Oh, yeah. That guy, you know, yeah. It's got, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That wide receiver guy. You're like, I, I don't care about that. I got to prepare about, you know, trying to win a ball game, try to get out of the gate, not slow, fast. When you're the quarterback of an NFL team today, the pressure on you is so more accentuated than what it used to be. Remember those old five-year plans that people used to have when they rolled into a place? Well, I got five years to turn. You, you got five minutes now to turn these things around. You got five minutes. 
And you can't sit around going, because you know what you're doing? If you're a general manager or you're a head coach and you think you're on some sort of five-year plan, you know what you're doing? You're setting up the next GM and head coach for success is what you're doing. And you'll be fired, of course. That's how that works. That's why guys move. That's why in today's NFL, when you draft one of these guys, you can't miss. When you, when you go and you draft a Dwayne Haskins, and he is a flop in Washington. Hey, man. And I know the – watch this. Well, the owner ain't going anywhere. And he was part of the process in drafting him. Jay Gruden got fired. Everybody in that front office got fired. Because the head coach was not – the head coach didn't want Dwayne Haskins. What do you think he never played him for? He thought he was a bum. All right. It looks like, to me, the Bills could be one of the teams that could play for an AFC championship. I, what they're doing, this is a prime example of it. And also, Seattle making more, more, making more noise today on the Julio Jones sweepstakes. We'll hit on all that. Hour two coming up. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. 
It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome to the National Football Show Hour 2, your boy Dan Cilio. Great catching up with Peter King. By the way, do us a favor. Like the show, love the show, share the show. We appreciate everybody coming aboard with us. Our good friend Tony Casillas will be in this hour. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. The former All-Pro and number two overall selection by the Atlanta Falcons and owner of two Super Bowl rings will join us, and we will speak to him again at the bottom of the hour. Have the Cowboys turn the page and made that defense better. We'll get his thoughts on that. I saw something the other day that really made me see how players today are really taking the bull by the horn when they see something going on in an organization. You know, traditionally, you're seeing this the majority of the time with the quarterback position. You saw Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady uh, last year talking about what was going on or not going on in New England by not retooling the football team, right? We Pretty much the quarterback is like the mouthpiece, really, of these franchises, right? Okay, follow me here. So Stefan Diggs started bitching to Rick Spielman, the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, right? Just was complaining out loud. Don't want to be here. We're not going anywhere. I want to get to another level. I want to do something special. So what do they do? They come up with a deal that's in the best interest of both the Minnesota Vikings, draft choices, and for the Buffalo Bills, a player that can help develop Josh Allen. You know, when Josh Allen came out of Wyoming, his junior year was his better year when he had better talent around him. You got to remember something. When you're evaluating a player at programs like Wyoming, Utah State, Jordan Love had a better junior year than he did senior year. Why? Because those programs don't have legitimate players to take over each and every single year. They just don't. They're not Alabama. They're not LSU. Where that when you lose an entire offensive unit, you're going to have another cast of characters roll in there, and those guys are not going to have a seeming like drop off. I mean, like take a look at Alabama this year. I've been mentioning this a boatload of times. Okay, they lose both their star wideouts who were drafted in the first round. Their quarterback was drafted in the first round. Their running back was drafted in the first round. They've got guys in the offensive line that were drafted in the first round. Their offensive coordinator is now the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. How do you replace that? Well, when you're at Alabama, easily. Saban, Saban's not the greatest head coach of all time in college football. He's the greatest recruiter in the history of college football. He walks into kids' homes and says, hey, look, anybody could draw a scheme up. But if you don't have the horses in the building, what I tell you? Got to have the jockey. He's the greatest jockey of all time. And he knows it comes down to personnel. I mean, he failed in the NFL. He can walk into a kid's home and get those kids to want to come and play for him. That's his magic. Hey, I want you to come play for me. Here's why. I'm going to turn you into a star. I'm going to turn you. How about this? He probably gives them the same speech that, you know, 
John Calipari goes into people's homes when he's recruiting for Kentucky. I'm going to make you a millionaire. Come to Alabama, we'll give you every opportunity. It's up to you. You come to Alabama, you're going to get a chance. You know that. And so that's what makes him great. Having a great culture. So Stefan Diggs goes up to Buffalo and he changes the entire direction of Josh Allen. And like I said, remember something. We first watched Josh Allen kind of limp out of the gate a little bit. We were all like, I don't know. That second year was a little rough, right? We were like, yeah, you know, something 50s completion percentage. You were like a little bit kind of rocking back and forth. Not so sure third year. You were like this. Holy mud on. This guy is some ball play. We were talking about him being an MVP candidate. Why is that? Well, Sean McDermott and that organization started putting good components around him. So do you know how the Buffalo Bills have rewarded Stefan Diggs for going in there? And by the way, you know what else Stefan Diggs does too? It's one thing for a quarterback to go out there and be a Pied Piper when it comes to free agency. It's another thing when you see another player leave a joint, go to a place like Buffalo. Since when is Buffalo a destination? Hasn't been one for 15 years. Since when is that place? Well, I'm going to go to Buffalo. Right? I mean, you're like like a scene out of Wayne's World. Going to Delaware? <laughs> right? I'm Buffalo? What does Diggs do? He goes up there, becomes a superstar, 100-catch guy, a pro bowler, all pro. And you're like, holy cow, look what that guy did for the development of Josh Allen. So you know what the Bills did? They restructured his contract. Man, that is music to every single non-quarterback or sometimes even quarterback. When they hear that, what does that mean? That means you're getting another guaranteed bonus. And they're going to drop that in your bank account. Social security number, please. And when you go check the balance, you got another 15 grand. You got another 15 million in there. Thank you. You're welcome. That also makes that player feel like, hey, they must really think a lot of me, man. They restructured a contract. I didn't ask for it. That's how you change winning cultures around into being Super Bowl cultures. You go from being a loser into a winning organization into a Super Bowl contender like that. And you don't think other free agents are going like this that are out there? If I'm Julio Jones or I'm some – if I'm Julio Jones, how do you not look at Buffalo and go like this? Damn, they're doing everything right, and they gave that guy more money. You imagine me going up there, me being on the other side, of, and I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm just – players look at that stuff. There. You think players right now are looking at a place like New England to go and play? Why? You got a quarterback, you're unsure whether or not he's going to turn it back around again in Cam Newton. And you got another quarterback, you're not sure he even could play in the league yet in Mac Jones. You know, all of those are guesses. Maybe, yeah, sure, okay. Spell a check, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. But do you know this? 90% of the places, you wouldn't give the benefit of the doubt to any other coach. If you had this, a coach who had a horrible, or a, a quarterback who had a horrible year last year, and you just drafted a guy you're not really sure can play in the league yet was drafted in the first round, that don't mean anything. Who would get the benefit of the doubt he's going to turn that around? Only Belichick would. Carroll, maybe. 
So when you're seeing success around, you're like, man, how about in Arizona too? You know, they're giving J.J. Watt money. They're get, trading for DeAndre Hopkins. They love this guy. Must really love Kyler Murray. All that stuff resonates with players on where they may want to play. So kudos to Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs could have been a complete jackass. Buffalo, that's the place you want to send me from Minnesota? That's not actually like Broadway. You know what I mean? Here, here's an example of that. Odell Beckham goes from being a New York Giant to being a Cleveland Brown. How's that panned out? His numbers are awful, and he's been hurt. And he's been unheard of. Hey, I made a great catch in whatever year that was on Monday Night Football, whatever. You know, that catch by Odell Beckham Jr. on Monday Night Football, I compare it to Jadavian Clowney's sack when he was at South Carolina in the Outback Bowl when he knocked out that quarterback from Michigan. You got two signature plays, and other than that, You've had zero impact on your football teams. Clowney's never had a double. He's never had a double-digit sack season in his entire career. Do you know that? So people keep telling me, well, this guy's a great. I'm, really? You think eight, seven, four, five, six sacks are great? I think he's been in the league nine years now. Dude, you haven't had double-digit sacks? That's not elite. This guy's running around the offseason going, I'm going to get $20 million. For what? You make zero impact on your football team, dude. You just got a name. And sometimes people pay for that name on the back of the jersey. I get it. That's what they're doing in Jacksonville and Tebow. I get it. But, man, I look at production. I don't know. I don't think Jadavian Clowney's worth the money he's making now. What's it, $9 million? Be like this. I don't know. <laughs> right? All right, let's go over to Seattle now. The Seahawks now are looking like they are the front runners to get Julio Jones. Okay. Does Julio Jones make an impact on that football team? How many wide receivers have gone up to that football team and made an impact? Let's think. Didn't Jimmy Graham? He's the tight end. I get it. What kind of impact did he make up there? Not very much. Okay. I'm trying to think. Can you name me the wideouts that they had even when they were going through their Super Bowl run? There's a point here I'm going to make. Man, you can be in the sweeps. They just drafted a guy too, didn't they not? Like, they just drafted, I think in the second round, they just drafted a wide receiver or something like that, right? I'm trying to think here. What has made Seattle successful under Pete Carroll? And what's happening is, Russell Wilson's desires to want to put up big numbers and win with his ability versus Pete Carroll's mentality is colliding with one another. Pete Carroll wins with great defense and running the ball and not turning the ball over and being in third and short. That's not the sexiest football on the planet, is it? You're not going to see a guy throw for 5,000 yards with that kind of style. And Russell Wilson is trying to dress up Pete Carroll's football team. Pete don't want to have it dressed up. But he's relenting because he's 70. Pete Carroll's getting away from doing – now, look, is that evolving? You could say that. Look, look, look at – you know, I made this 
point a couple days ago about Nick Saban. Nick Saban on the fly went from a ground and pound offense in Alabama to now he's got a spread offense of quarterbacks all over the NF, all over the country now want to come and play there at Alabama. Alabama is a destination for high school quarterbacks since when? Well, since Saban really evolved into that type of coach now. He wasn't that coach. What did he do? He started hiring coordinators that were spread guys. Carroll's not done that. It's more of a tougher putt for him to make that transition. Hey, some of these transitions, you know, I, 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 I'll give you another great example of this. Don Shula. When Don Shula first got in the league, Michelle, he did it three times he evolved. Who did he coach? He coached the Colts back in the early or late 60s. He had Johnny Unitas in Earl Morrill. They threw the ball down the field 30 times. Back then, that was revolutionary. He then leaves that, and he goes to the Miami Dolphins. If they threw the ball 10 times a game, they were lucky. Okay, They had Zonka and Mercury Morris and Kick and a Hall of Fame quarterback and Bob Greasy. I don't know, 15, 20 times a game maybe? So what did Shula do? He evolved into running the ball, playing great defense with the no-name. Resulted in three AFC championships in a row and two Super Bowls, and one of those teams was undefeated. So he goes from throwing the ball to running the ball. All of a sudden, in the 80s, he drafts Dan Marino. First practice, Dan, Dan Marino's throwing the ball 50 yards down the field. Don Shula said, well, everything we're doing right now, we are stopping, and we are going to put a brand-new scenario together here, and we're going to find ourselves uh, an offense coordinator that's going to throw the ball 35 times a game. He fit his team – around the personnel of the guys that he had on his team. When he had Dan Marino, he changed completely around. So he changed three different times. That's a great coach that can do that. We were talking yesterday with Mark Schlereth from Fox Sports. John Harbaugh is in that category. Okay? John Harbaugh went from having Joe Flacco as his starting quarterback to what? All of a sudden, Lamar Jackson's running around. This new style of play, 1,000-yard rusher, throw, throw the ball down the field, 38 touchdowns. He led the NFL in touchdown passes a couple years ago. John Harbaugh is now evolving. Pete Carroll's having a tougher time, and I think that's the rub in Seattle with Russell Wilson is that Pete's just like a little bit in Green Bay on how they deal with people. Russell Wilson's attitude towards Carroll is he's not evolving the team enough to be in today's style of football. You're not going to win a game. See, and I disagree. Pete wants to build his team like Mike Vrabel built the team in Tennessee. Russell Wilson doesn't want to play on a team like Tennessee. The reason, get this, you know, Russell Wilson has never had an MVP vote in his entire career. And some would say it's because of Seattle. I would say it's a little bit of Seattle, and it's also the style of play that you have in Seattle with Pete Carroll's style of offense. Pete has he's fought this change. And I think that – see, when, when you hear media people talking, they don't do an in-depth look at who the guy is that's the head coach. You think Lamar Jackson has any problems at all whatsoever 
in Baltimore with John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is he's tailoring an offense around his star player. Everything his star player needs to be successful, he's trying to accommodate. Okay? Pete this year in this offseason has started to do that. He realizes it. He's at the end of the rope here. And he's on the back nine of his coaching career. Okay? He's probably punched his ticket to Canton. Another appearance in an AFC title game, maybe another Super Bowl appearance, maybe another win in a Super Bowl completely cements it. Let's not forget something about Carroll. He is a gunslinger coach. This guy had the ultimate horrible call in a championship game. That fourth down play with Reggie Bush, that cost him the national championship. And that play on the goal line where they didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch cost him a Super Bowl title. He's been in two title games that his go-for-it mentality cost him two championships. All he had to do was turn around, give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I think he walks into the end zone. They beat the Patriots. All he had to do on fourth down was punt it. Let your big-time defense play. Who knows if Vince Young gets that ball in the end zone? You don't know, but going for it on fourth down, you gave him the field position, they had the time on their side, and you lose that game against Texas. Hey, someone said, would you rather have a coach that goes for it? Yeah, but I'd rather have a coach be smart about going for it. You know, having a little bit more of the odds on your side. I, I, I like, I like, I love Pete Carroll. I don't like him. I love him. I think he's a hell of a coach. But he has really struggled this year. That he's been called out by Russell Wilson. And they're two different mentalities. Okay? Green Bay's just not listening. Pete Carroll's having a hard time changing. Pete wants to play great defense, run the ball. Why do, why, why do you think they went out and they drafted Rashad Penny, who's been an absolute flop from San Diego State? He's been terrible. They drafted that guy in the first round. He was a bomb. Because Pete was looking for a guy like Marshawn Lynch. And when you have flops like that, quarterback's going to turn around and go, this guy can't even pick up pass protection. What a colossal disaster pick that was. He's right. So that's the two conflicts. Now, they're going after Julio Jones. Pete Carroll doesn't want to go after Julio Jones. They're only doing it for the quarterback. And maybe it's only out there publicly. Pete needs a running game. If that running game is not successful, Russell Wilson won't be successful. All right. Antonio Brown should be kissing the hell out of Tom Brady's ass. I'm going to tell you why. Also, Tony Casillas will join us. He covers the Dallas Cowboys, a former All-Pro. It's all next right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Some really great comments coming out of Tampa Bay over the last couple weeks. I love the way Bruce Arians is coaching that football team. By the way, we'll be catching up with our friend Tony Casillas, the former All-Pro and number two overall selection back in the day with the Atlanta Falcons. Won those two Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys and those Jimmy Johnson teams. Covers the Cowboys. We'll ask him if he thinks that football team is headed in the right direction defensively. That'll be coming up here in a second. I, I just love what I'm hearing out of Arians. And that's why I asked the question in the last hour or two, Peter King. You think Bruce Arians has turned himself into a Hall of Fame type of coach? He's got three Super Bowl rings, two as a coordinator, one now as a head coach. He wins another one. Be a multiple winner now. He, had, Like Peter said, he's had a unique coaching career. He's the only guy ever as an interim guy to win the NFL's Coach of the Year award. He's coached some of the best quarterbacks and turned them into really superstars, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger. He's worked with Tom Brady now. 
mean, he's really done a marvelous job. He did a great job when he was in Arizona, I thought. He, he He's a hard, old-school type guy. I love the guy. We're dear friends, and I, I think the world of him. And I'm just – has the opinion changed a little bit of Bruce Arians and how you see him? Here's a guy that kind of got run out of Arizona, even though he did a good job. And you were like this. I don't know. He even retired, got into broadcasting. One year changed how I look at him because he evolved. We know we were just talking about coaches evolving. Now he's saying this about Tom Brady. I don't really know how much Tom Brady's going to play during the OTAs and how much he's going to practice. He's going to be more of a coach. Tom Brady, the head coach? Could you ever see something like that? Would Brady ever want to get into that profession? There's one thing we've learned about Tom Brady. Tom Brady loves the game. The game inspires Tom Brady. Arians is going to let him run the OTAs in the minicamps. And I completely believe it. And for the record, would you have a problem with that? If you were a head coach in the building and TB12 was telling the team what to do, can you imagine what that does also? You could never see something like that go on in Green Bay. Hey, Aaron, why don't you run our team during the offseason? They've never offered that to him. Bruce Arians just looked over at Brady because he's built up that equity with him in one year winning that Super Bowl. And more importantly, probably, the way he handles teammates. I, I've said this to you before. I, I think one of the greatest assets that, t- that Tom Brady has is that I think he's the ultimate teammate. Every single type of player, whether it's Aaron Hernandez, and I name the roughest ones I can think, or, or it's somebody like a Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown. Think of him. All those players on that Bucks team, they love the guy. You think they love Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, all the players? I bet you if you went down the line of every single player in that Buccaneer locker room and you asked them their opinion and their impression of Tom Brady, I guarantee you the comments that would be made by all the players would be, hey, man, he treats everybody cool. Doesn't matter if he's the 53rd guy on the team or whether he's a superstar ball player or a potential Hall of Famer like Gronkowski. He just treats everybody great. One of the things that Brady wanted when he became a Tampa Bay Buccaneer player, he went to Jason Light, and you know what he asked him? Can I have the phone number to every single football player that's going to show up to camp? And can you imagine that? You're sitting around, and you're going around, and Tom Brady, you get a call. You get a call from Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's like, hey, this is Tom Brady here. And uh, I just want to welcome you and, you know, into my huddle. And we're going to be doing great things here. And make no mistake about it. We're going to be doing some great things this coming season. And if you're a football player, get this. If you're a player that's in that locker room and you get a call from that guy, you know you're going to win some ball games. All right. This is one of my friends here, and I just love listening to him. By the way, he's got a brand-new podcast. We're going to get to that here 
real soon too. The former all pro and owner of a couple Super Bowl rings was on, in my opinion, one of the greatest runs and one of the greatest dynasties that Dallas Cowboy dynasty with Coach Johnson and with Barry Switzer there. Unbelievable run he had also at Oklahoma. It is our friend Tony Casillas. Hey, T, how you doing, brother? Doing good, Dan. Always a pleasure being with you, my man. Throw out how people can get your podcast and where they can get it. I want to get that out of the way because, again, Tony, I, I, you know, Tony, I haven't realized how big this is becoming now. More people are doing this now, what we're doing, than they are even on the radio any longer. How can people find you? Well, first of all, you can follow me on Twitter. That's TC Casillas, C-A-S-I-L-L-A-S, and on Instagram, Tony Casillas. Uh, but uh, I, as you mentioned, I do my own podcast. You can uh, right now I'm doing it on Facebook Live, but I'm going to start doing it uh, next week uh, in studio. I'll be uh, excited about a couple of guests that I have coming on. Uh, we already have eight of them that we've done. You can actually uh, Roku TV. I, I think the last time I mentioned you, they're carrying that along with Amazon Fire with and uh, Apple TV. Uh, but yeah, so that's like default. You know, my my podcast. Yeah, we're going to talk sports. That's what we do. But I like to get more into the forensic life things that's going on, you know, what makes people tick, you know, how they, you know, the stories of what got them or the, the rags of riches or, you know, it's people that are influenced, you know, military people, uh, you know, people are making a big difference. We want to hear the story and, you know, I mean, and along with yourself, we, we just sit around, it's like sitting around a bar talking about real life stuff. But uh, yeah, that's where you can follow me. Uh, the Facebook page is the Tony Casilla show. Uh, and then also, as I mentioned, uh, a YouTube channel, you can subscribe to the show there. So thanks a lot for that plug, big boy. You got it, man. Let me get into some of the stuff going around the league now. Give me your overall sense of what and how you see what the scenario is playing out there in Green Bay. I mean, what side of the aisle are you on? Are you on Aaron Rodgers' side here? Are you on the Packer management side? Or are you kind of in the middle watching both of these two guys ping pong this thing back and forth? I'm just trying to think what, what they did to piss him off so bad and I, I i don't know i mean he's kind of a complex guy dan i don't know i started thinking about this the other day remember when barry sanders decided he was gonna retire retired what seven eight years in the league and clearly had you know more time uh, you know left on the shelf and um and so i just uh I kind of looked at that because i think that when you're looking at Aaron rogers obviously aaron's a lot older but his career is He's done so much, uh, had so much success and done so many crazy things coming off an MVP season. I just don't know if it's as important to him as it is some other guys. And, you know, the guy has done so much. And I think it's at the point that, you know, you know this, it's always like, hey, we need the NFL. We need you. Uh, we need uh, in a lot of ways to, to, to make a living, uh, to, to continue our careers. And there's not too many other places you can go to. But Aaron Rodgers is doing other things. He's got plethora all the different things around him that he can go to. And and look, I think we talked about this before, Dan. It's like, what happened? I mean, really just to this point of no return because and you're talking about him reporting to minicamp. And, you know, look, I, I, it's so ironic. I've been watching the story. And he didn't care about reporting or off-season bonus for $500,000. You know, to him, that's not that big a deal when you think about the money and the big realm of things. And then if he misses minicamp, <coughs> excuse me, it's going to cost him $93,000. But I don't know. The longer it goes uh, and lingers, uh, I don't think he'll ever be back in Green Bay. And I, I, did, I couldn't have said that a month ago. I thought, well, maybe this is just some ploy and, you know, he got his feelings hurt. But uh, – 
Like if anyone thought this wasn't real, it's damn real right now. I'll tell you what, Tony, you know, I think you bring a point up here. You know, everyone knows when you're in that league, you got your head down and you're grinding. I think he's lifted his head up, man. He's looked around the room and like you said, he's got the money in the bank. He's doing all the commercials. He's doing Jeopardy now. He's talking about his future. When you start doing all that, are you as laser focused? And it's crazy to say that the guy had 48 touchdowns and five picks, (laughs) but that shows you the greatness of this guy. But I, you're you're right. I'm just wondering. I mean, when when, when I look at Aaron Rodgers, I I don't think he's as driven as Tom Brady or maybe even Russell Wilson. I I don't see that. You know, I, I, you have to love the game to put those kind of numbers up. I, I I can't even believe I'm not. But there's something about guys that are just laser focused, driven. Brady's been that way for 21 years. I just don't know, man. I when I see him. It's almost like this. Hey, I'm in Hawaii now. You know, I'm on a banjo here. I'm playing songs now. I'm body surfing now. I'm thinking about my future. So you think maybe now we're looking at the guy who it's not about football anymore. Maybe he's just, it's running out of gas here. Maybe it's run its course with him because he may want to move on and do something else. You might see him retire. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, seems like a guy to have a nice little glass of Merlot and read a good book and uh, kind of the cerebral part. But I mean, no, no doubt about it, he's a beast when he gets on field. I think I think everyone also forgets that he's 38 years old. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And you you look at 38 years in the National Football League 10 years ago, you're an old old man. And now we're looking at you know his you know, he's probably closing on 39, and yet. We, we seen what Tom Brady, the measurable Tom Brady and what he's done and Drew Brees. And it's like, this guy still has a lot. And, and I think that, I think we kind of lose sight of that. Uh, it seemed to me not too far long, long ago, it was a young man's sport. And when you got to be in your early thirties in the national football league, but I, I think that you're right, Dan, he's a guy that, look, I got other things, that transitional part of me, part of me has got one foot out the door and I'm already transitioning. Well, if I want to put two feet back in on the NFL side, I'll go out there and throw 48 touchdowns. I can do that. I think one thing I do disagree with you, though, I think this dude is still competitive as hell. I, I don't think that that's, there's any doubt about his competitiveness. Um, obviously, I, I'm not privy to what goes on and, and with him of being around him, but he sure has that, to me, has that burning desire. He's just not very emphatic and just very compassionate about someone like Tom Brady, because Tom Brady, man, you know, he eats the right thing. He's football driven. Oh, by the way, he's been killing on social media, man. I've been loving following some of the things. <laughs> it's, it's been tremendous to watch his whole deal with, with Bruce Kupka and uh, Bryson DeChambeau. But anyway, I, I just think that that's, you know, that's, that's Aaron. That's who he is. And he's like, the hell with it. You know, I, look, it, it's almost a point. It's not like him taking his ball and going to go play somewhere else. It's like, look, I'll just – I'll go do something else. I'll go, as you mentioned, I'll go host Jeopardy. I'll go, you know, do something that, that I'm going to do and enjoy, whatever that may be. And I don't have to do it with football. I can I can live without it. And I think that's the kind of mess. You know this. It's almost, it's it's like, it, you know, it's playing poker, man. Right now, part of him playing poker with Green yeah. Bay, and he's trying to not show his cards. And yet, Green Bay don't know what the hell to think right now. They don't know if he's got, you know, a full house or, what he's got, if he's bluffing, man, you know, whatever it is right now, they don't know. Because obviously he's got the hand that uh, that they dealt him when they made him mad. 
Absolutely. Tony, let me throw this at you here. Go to Dallas. Um, you think they're the favorites to win the NFC East? That's yeah, but that's not saying a whole lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. And look, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. Um, look, without a doubt, it's, it's like this all the time around here. I've been in this, lived in this market, you know, retired here in 91. I've done media and I've followed this team and uh, that's a whole craziness of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they're playing Tampa Bay first game of the season. Uh, and unfortunately, I got to play against Tom Brady. So, you know, Dak Prescott gets the, the deal. And, and look, there's a there's a buzz. I mean, rightly so. But, you know, this with the Cowboys, it's 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 magnified. It's the expectation. It's it's all or nothing. OK. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Zeke, if I believe everything I've seen on Instagram and social media, he looks like he's busting his ass. He's streamlined himself. Uh, their offensive line is healthy, and we know that that's going to be a big key going into the season. You got Tyron Smith and Leo Collins back, and uh, and so I think health wise, and you look at the receivers, the core receivers. I mean, this team could put some numbers together. Now you got to talk about the other side of the ball defensively, and I think that really with some of the moves that they made. I mean, they got young guys. They got a different philosophy to me. I think that's going to resonate more. Uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't. They got the best quarterback in the NFC East, and you look at the other guys. They got the best quarterbacks that had the best offense. Their whole thing is what are they going to do on defense? That remains to be seen. And I think Dan Quinn, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to treat the, you know, look through the, the 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 cowboy colored glasses, and I'm thinking, I think Dan Quinn is a, an asset, man. I mean, I've watched him. He's out there. He's teaching. Uh, he's getting to me. You know how it is, man. You like a guy to teach me, man. Especially yeah. when I'm even a veteran guy. But I've seen everything. I think that he can resonate that. And uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't be in the NFC I mean, we say that every year, but, you know, it's Dallas. You know, I always, ask, I always tell everyone, ask me, well, there's 17 games. Ask me with 18 and a half games less remaining in the season. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell let me let, let, let me ask you about the, the expectations when you were in that Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer time frame when – you guys had this aura about going forward, trying to win ball games, and then you look at today's Cowboys. There's an aura about the Cowboys, but to me, and tell me if you think I'm wrong here on this, I think the players of today in that Dallas team, I think it's more important for them to be a star NFL player than it is to be a guy wearing the star that played during your time when they were trying to win games and trying to win NFC championships. Am I wrong when I say that? I mean, I'm not saying they're they don't want to go out and try to win Super Bowls, but it's almost it, it just comes off to me. Maybe from the outside looking in, they, it, they'd rather just be star Dallas Cowboy players instead of star NFL players. I don't know. It just seems different than when you play to today. And I don't want to sound like old man get off my lawn guy. Well, I, I think that's an accurate assessment. I think not only. <laughs> Not only just the Cowboys, but the landscape of the National Football League and all sports. It's all about, you know, how many people that follow your brand and you guys get paid for the, to be an influencer. I get all that. But you don't put the cart before the horse, and that's never going to change. That's generational when you talk about, you know, the, you know, the things of what you got to do. And, and, I, and, and the first guy I think about is Jalen Smith. I mean, he's a guy that is the first guy that wants to change his number and didn't only know that in the offseason they were trying to trade him, him and Leighton Vanderesh, 
um, and was was the first guy in line to to change his number to number nine and pay for double digits. So I think that that's the that's the uh, the mold that some of these players with the Cowboys obviously have, and it starts at Jerry's brand, and that's what you know. That's the the uniqueness of playing for Dallas. And I always said this: if you if you win big and you hit the home run, you win Super Bowl, man, you can be set for life. And look, I played five years for the Cowboys. I was there, won two Super Bowls, and there's people still today uh, remember my old ass. And when you have the rings and everything, uh, and I'm not mad at that, but you fast forward that, Dan. These guys are living in modern day and like they won the rings and they haven't done anything. And yet the brand is bigger than ever. It's the most valuable franchise in the world, sports franchise in the world. And they're living that and they're loving that. And that's what drives this. And I think that that gets lost, especially if you get the big money. And I think Jerry has been known to do that. It's, it's, it's like you need to validate. I always validate something, but in, in, in today's football society, especially when you play for the Cowboys, you don't have to do that. Give me nine and seven. Give me some, give the fans some hope. Let's go out there and we'll pass on on social media and we'll get everybody excited. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, and the way it's been, everybody's been let down. So you're right. I mean, that's a proper assessment. People say that all the time. And I think that's really, really, that really gets under people's skin what Dallas continues to do because <laughs> they haven't done anything lately. Let me throw this off you here. I haven't talked to you about your old school, Oklahoma. You know, I tell people today, I go, that OU team that you see today, that's not, no, no, no. These guys ran this thing called the bone and they ran dudes like Marcus Dupree at you. And these mother, you know, waters were running downhill <laughs> They played lights out defense. If you ever had a defense, they gave up 500 yards <laughs> <laughs> at Oklahoma. I don't know, man. Hey, wait a minute. I got to show you this. Okay. I love watch. I love the video. Okay. Leroy yeah. Solomon gave me this jersey, right? right? Can you imagine Leroy giving 500 yards up at Oklahoma? <laughs> no, no, no. But that, I, it, what, what, it, what, what are we looking at with Oklahoma this year? How do you look at the program in the direction that Lincoln Riley has it in? Well, first of all, I love you posting your pictures of you when you're balling back in the the, the U days, man. That's uh, that's really cool. And and, and you used to you were a baller, man. Back you had some great defensive line, and I love thank it, you that that whole era of you guys. And I was a Miami fan, but uh, but you know, to the point where OU, I think this year, and I'm starting to follow them a little bit more because Alice Grinch was brought in from Ohio State to fix it, you know, fix the defense, and it really hasn't. Resonated. He really hasn't built it within you know, the guys that he brought in and kind of cultivated. And I think now they've gone out and they've got, uh, you know, they got six or seven good defensive linemen. And I think that to me, that's the biggest, biggest difference. You know, you and I, we're, we're defensive linemen, but we all know that to build that foundation, as you mentioned, running the damn wishbone. I mean, I'm glad I never had to defend that uh, because <laughs> I, do, I would be like, I would be tapping out because as soon Oof. as they run downhill, you don't know what to hit. You got like, oh, you got, man. it's like you got lasers hitting you left and right. Um, oh God. But, but you know, Dan, that's what, that's what Oklahoma's going to have to do. Uh, you know, I think for me, I think as a dude that played for in, in that conference, the big eight, when I played, to see the players that they either pass on or or team or players pass on them 
to go other places to be a defensive player. And to me, they got to fix that. I mean, yes, it's a you know sexy. We we know how many <coughs> excuse me first round first round picks they've had number one picks. That's great, but ultimately you're measuring on what you do in national championship. And look, you can win so many games. Lincoln Riley could be the most winning uh, you know, coach in, in in history at Oklahoma. But the measure is how many rings you win. It's how many championships you win. And Coach Switzer, uh, by the way, I'm gonna see him this weekend. Is to me is the guy that was able to do that. And it's certainly a different era, but to me, I think they're close. And when I say close, the difference between, uh, you know, giving up 400 yards and giving up 300, <laughs> but that's big in the big 12, because that's what they do. They it's, you know, in that, in that fast pace offense, it's like, okay, you know, we're going to you know, catch you out of place, going to make you run. And so you can't tap out, you can't replace. And I think they've really gotten closer because of the defensive line, what I'm hearing. And really, really, they got two good edge rushers. They got a couple of guys inside. They got a good linebacker. And they haven't been able to say that over the last three, four years. So to answer your question, I know that's a long, a long answer. I think that they're pretty close. And, and that's the difference between winning the national championship. That's the difference between beating Alabama or Clemson. It's being able to Absolutely. stop, being able to play defense when you play those big boys. Absolutely. Give me the big eight any day. Hey, Tony, thank you so much for stepping in with me, man. I appreciate you coming aboard, man. I love you to death, man. Thank you, brother. You too, brother. Take care and keep up the great work, man. You got it, man. That is my friend, Tony Casillas. What a legendary football player he was, man, at Oklahoma and in the National Football League. Number two overall selection in the draft by the Atlanta Falcons back in the days. And as you heard him say, he went on to win those two Super Bowls in Dallas. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Great to catch up with my friend. One of the great college football players. Hall of Famer, too, by the way. Hall of Fame college football player. Oh, I got my vote. Or I should say I got my ballot for the upcoming class for the College Football Hall of Fame. I posted some of the guys that potentially I could vote for. I'm very proud of the fact that I get a chance to vote each and every single year for the College Football Hall of Fame. You know, one of the things, though, that I don't like about the College Football Hall of Fame ballot is this. How about this? Tom Brady and Joe Montana can never be on the ballot. Can never, ever be on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. You know why? Because they have a, they have a standard where if you've never been named first team by a recognized All-American team, you cannot be considered for a Hall of Fame in any way whatsoever. And you want to know something? Both guys won national championship rings at their respective colleges, Michigan and Notre Dame. Now, Brady obviously was a backup quarterback when they ended up winning that national championship and sharing it. I forget who they shared it with uh, that particular year. Maybe it was Georgia Tech they shared it that year. And Montana actually won the Cotton Bowl to win the national championship. And he never really put up sensational numbers because get this, Dan Devine, the then head coach of Notre Dame, didn't like didn't like Montana's attitude because Joe had this Joe Cool attitude that, you know, the game was kind of like easy for him. And Joe made everybody in the huddle feel comfortable, made them all feel great. You know that saying when he was at the uh, Super Bowl and they were going for that 90-yard drive with two minutes left in the game? And he looks over and he sees Harris Barton in the huddle and Harris Barton's a little bit nervous. And he goes over to Harris and everyone else in the huddle go, Oh my God, there's John candy. And it's the last drive. It's two minutes left. Montana's got to go 90 yards for a game winning Super Bowl drive to win his fourth Super Bowl. And he does it. That's Joe cool. And those guys cannot be considered for the hall of fame. I'm like, man, that, we need to do something on that rule. There's so many little parameters that that kind of bug me a little bit about the requirements to get you into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's still a tremendous honor. Tony Casillas is in, by the way, winner of a Lombardi Award. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think Tony was a two-time consensus All-American when he was at OU. So um, fantastic career all around, winning a national championship, I think, also in 1985. So he's one of those guys that has a national title ring and two Super Bowl rings. Pretty impressive. So 
Tony's a good guy, man. Check out his podcast too, by the way. You know, prior to bringing him on, I, I, I brought up the fact that, you know, Antonio Brown, I, I was talking to you that Tom Brady's now going to be coaching the Buccaneers during OTAs and minicamp. I think that's sensational, Bruce Arians. I really do. I think that's phenomenal of him to turn the team over to his star players. Do you know what that's going to do for Antonio Brown? Brady's going to go to him and do this. Antonio, take the receivers. Gronk, take the tight ends. All the veteran guys on the team, Leonard, take the backs. All the star players and guys with tenure are going to be helping coach. It's going to be a player's OTAs and mini camp. Now, obviously, as they get towards training camp, probably be a different conversation because the coaches are want to going to install things, maybe new fronts, maybe new looks. That's when you start to really install, install stuff. So the point is, is that you're building your team chemistry. This is going to be a brand new Buccaneer team compared to last year. You had COVID-19 restrictions, all of that, Zoom conference calls. Now you're getting hands-on. And Bruce Arians is doing this. Tom, take the team. Well, Tom's going to take the team, and he's going to put the team into the hands of his players. And then Tom's going to go around, and he's going to have an influence on every single group. Wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line, defensive line. This is what I saw last year you guys did. This is what I thought maybe could help you guys. There's a way of communicating with people. You don't want to hear this out of a coach. Hey, that sucked. Let's do it this way. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody likes that style, especially in today's NFL, especially in today's college football. Nobody wants to hear that style. They want to know why we're doing something. They want to know why we're practicing this. They want to know why we're in this position here. They want to know why this is going to lead to success. And when you have the guy, he's got seven rings doing it. And then you got Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's equity in the league. What did he do this offseason? He went out, tried to get himself $5 million a year as a base salary. No takers. What? How do you not give that guy $5 million bucks? How about this? You think Amari Cooper's more talented than Antonio Brown? Oh, I don't. Amari Cooper makes $20 million a year. Antonio Brown makes three. But what's the difference? Well, I trust that player. Okay? I trust that guy. I don't trust AB. This guy may implode at any time. This guy may hit an iceberg, and this boat goes down. Okay? It don't take on damage and still survives. He, 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 he doesn't survive. So Brady now is also showing this. He's going to turn the team, the wide receivers over, and he's going to be coaching. He's going to show everybody that he's a good teammate. Every time Antonio Brown sees Tom Brady, he should absolutely kiss his ass because this is what it's like to be a teammate with that guy. By the way, look at Rob Gunkowski for a second here. So Rob was retired. He was in the WWE. He was working with Fox Sports. He was starting his second life. And Brady called up 
and got him to completely drop all of that. Okay, why? Because he's the greatest teammate of all time. Not because he's the greatest quarterback of all time. You think Aaron Rodgers can get people? Or would Aaron Rodgers even want to make that call to try to get somebody out of retirement? He wouldn't. That's not his makeup. So the things you're seeing in Tampa right now in the offseason, working with the backup quarterback, Brady, you just heard Tony talking about the social media, Tom Brady. How different is that? How cool is that? Now he's going to be coaching the team. Bucks are going to be even better. The only thing that will stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from winning a Super Bowl will be catastrophic injuries. And you have injuries at key positions and you lose your depth because they're setting themselves up for another run here. And I can't wait to see it. We're 99 days away. All right. Appreciate everybody coming aboard. Cal, Krause, Big Joe, you guys have been spectacular. Do me a favor. Like and share the show, please. Tomorrow we'll have Bruce Feldman. We'll talk a little bit more college football with Fox Sports' guy. Hopefully we're going to catch up with Tony Dungy as well. So, again, we'll catch you tomorrow, 4 to 6 Eastern time, on the Jacob Media channels right here for the National Football Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.